I think more clear than ever, people need to be healthy. They need to stop distracting themselves and eat more plants and figure out a program that's going to work and get healthy because we need strong, healthy, happy people, non-judgmentally kicking ass in their life. And I really believe that's the purpose of health so that you can kick ass in your life and have the fulfilling life you want so you're not miserable with a chemistry set that isn't working. And it really comes down to two very simple things. I care about the health of people. I believe a healthy person has more choices and can really kick ass in their life and not have to drag around this body and then be a kind of this victim of a body that's failing. So I believe in health of the individual, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and I believe in the intimate connection and the health of the planet. That's superfood hunter Darren O'Lean, and this is episode 542 of the Ritual Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Greetings, wanderers, seekers, learners, listeners. This is a podcast, the Rich Roll Podcast. I'm your host. It's time to strap in because today, today, my friends, my superfood hunting brother from another mother, Darren O'Lean, hot on the heels of his number one hit Netflix show, Down to Earth, in which he co-stars alongside Zac Efron, returns for his fourth appearance on the show. He's gonna blow minds. He's gonna drop wisdom on all things nutrition, hydration, ecological preservation, longevity, and many other topics, including, of course, superfoods. OG listeners will well remember Darren, but for those of you who are new Big D fans, maybe you came here because of seeing Darren on the show, you're here for the first time, Together, Darren and I have logged about six hours of extraordinary back catalog conversation over the years. And you can find those conversations in episodes 382, 268, and 153 in my archive at richroll.com. He is by far one of my most popular guests to date. And Darren's biography kind of reads more like an adventure novel than a resume. This is a guy who spent the better part of the last couple decades scavenging the earth for the most nutritionally potent plants, nuts, and seeds on the planet. He's communed with thousands of rural farmers, growers, and manufacturers in remote communities across the Himalayas, the South Pacific, Latin America, Asia, shepherding exotic, high-quality fair trade superfoods and indigenous herbal commodities to market. His latest infatuation is barucas or the baru nut, which is this incredibly nutrient-rich, delicious, but kind of essentially virtually unheard of superfood harvested sustainably in partnership with the indigenous tribes of the Brazilian Cerrado. If you watch Down to Earth, then you know that Big D is jacked. What you might not know is that he is 100% plant-based. He's been so for many years. And today you're gonna hear a lot about the benefits of eating plant forward, how to make this switch, and more importantly, how to sustain it is a question that I get a lot. So we created a digital platform to get you there and keep you there. It's called the Plant Power Meal Planner. It's super dope. 
providing you with unlimited access to thousands of constantly updated, nutritious, delicious, and easy to prepare recipes, all tailored to your preference. Selected meals, auto-generate grocery lists to make shopping simple, and integrated grocery delivery in most urban areas makes it even easier. We also have cooking instructional videos, and our team of nutrition coaches are always available to guide you every step of the way. The kicker is affordability. It's just $1.90 a week when you sign up for a year, literally the price of a cup of coffee. So to learn more and to get rolling, visit meals.richroll.com. That's meals.richroll.com. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics. And just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients, faithful 
to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. Okay, Darren, in addition to being one of my closest best friends, Darren is legit the real deal. He's somebody that I turn to basically every single week we talk uh, and he gives me unbelievable guidance, not on simply things like nutrition, fitness, hydration, and sustainability, but also for just good, solid life advice. This guy is wise, he's grounded, he's incredibly personable and giving, he's spiritually aware, and just bottom line, one of my favorite people. And I think that's just about all I wanna say in preface to today's conversation. To learn more about Darren, and you're gonna want to learn more about him after listening to this, check out his book, Super Life, which just hit the New York Times bestseller list for the very first time, despite coming out over three and a half, almost four years ago, due in no small part to the smash success of his show, Down to Earth, which you can dial up on Netflix. Darren also recently launched a podcast himself, The Darren O'Lean Show. He's already killing the game. And he's got a new app called 121Tribe, 121tribe.com, where he liberally shares all his copious wisdom. Okay, enough. This is me and the force of nature known as Darren O'Lean. So a lot's happened since the last time that we did this. Dude. (laughs) Your life has exploded. It's incredible. Yeah, amongst the other craziness, it's it's it is incredible. Yeah, uh, first of all, congrats! It's all very well earned. I'm super proud of you, and it's been such a delight to see America or the world kind of embrace what I've already known for so long and things that you've been talking about and living like your entire life. It's gone massively broad. (laughs) I would imagine there's a little bit of vertigo with all of that. I mean, the number one show on Netflix is crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard to have a relationship with that. Mm. I think that um, it's almost, if I can describe the experience, it's almost like, oh, cool, that's cool. Like. And yet you're seeing the numbers rise, you're seeing the followers rise and and you're like, and then the book, New York Times bestseller and the podcast right. and, then, and then the show. And I think that it feels like a responsibility in a good way uh-huh. rather than look at me. Like it, it really feels well, like- Well, now you have the platform to speak more broadly and potently about the things that yeah. you care about and have always cared about. And just to recap for people that are perhaps new to you, last time we talked, it was on the eve of Baruka's launching to the world. And since that moment, which was, I don't even know when it was, a couple of years ago, I think mm-hmm. at this point, maybe a year and a half ago, 
You have co-hosted this show, Down to Earth, with Zach Efron. It went to number one on Netflix. Your book, Super Life, just hit the New York Times bestseller list. You launched a podcast. It went to number one in the health and fitness uh, category on iTunes. And your Instagram, I think, maybe, what did you have, like 70,000 or something like that before all of this? Uh, like mid-30s. Mid, oh, mid-30s. And now you're at like 400 or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is the power of Netflix. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is our friend Neil Strauss said uh, there was another uh, show that came out similarly mm. and a different show completely, but they were doing really well, but the guy didn't receive a lot of followers. Mm. And the only thing that I can attest to this is, and we can unpack a lot of this stuff as to the culmination of the show and how my idea of the intensity of the information made its way through the production and through the understanding of the audience that I don't have. Mm. But what I see is that through the levity, through the lightness of how we delivered the show with some information, clearly, it somehow reached across the aisle of other people that don't necessarily live this way, don't necessarily have the same amount of awareness about how they are sitting in the world as it relates to their own health and the health of the planet. Mm. So, so it's, it's such a beautiful thing to see regular people that, that I am, that you are, They're, we're no different, but that they are tagline message, thousands of them this way saying, my life is different. I am never the same. I'm gonna do something better with my life over and over and over and over again from a nine-year-old to a 70-year-old. Yeah. That rich is worth everything. Yeah. It's a beautiful exercise in humility as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talk every week. So I've been with you from the outset of this whole experience. And I know very well that had you had your druthers, this would have been a much more serious, intense, deep dive and issue-based and policy-based. Mm. And you had sort of grumbled along the way, like, I don't know if this is gonna work. Like, I want it to be like this. It looks like it's going in this direction. And yet to see it so well-received on the broadest level is a lesson, right, in that, a, like, I don't know everything. B, these producers understood something that I didn't because if I'd had my way, maybe it wouldn't have connected in this way, right? 100%. Yeah. Like you, you spot on with the struggle because I did, you know, I, you know, the beautiful thing is we can get into the origin story of how this even came about. Oh, I love the origin story. Yeah, Tell pretty, the origin story. <laughs> well, people, people talking to you, like, like this, come on, this is the origin story mm. right here, right now. It, you know, the, the, the podcast that we did, I, I don't think it was the first one or probably the second, it was the second probably, one. Probably, yeah. Um, it came by way of the show. So we did that show, something about how I, what I said, 
who I was. I don't know. But Zach heard it and he was like, what is this guy doing? I want to know about this person. What is he, what is he up to? Mm-hmm. And so he reached out to your buddy, who's now my buddy as well, Connor Dwyer, mm-hmm. the Olympian badass swimmer that you guys are mutual friends with. So Zach is friends with Connor, you're friends with Connor. So Zach reached out to Connor to get my number to see if it was okay that you give Zach my number. Right. Because Zach was interested. Who I still haven't met, by the way. <laughs> I know, that's, that's, that's funny. Um, and, and, and kind of how it crystallized, well, one of the aspects of it, and I told this on the podcast recently, so forgive me if you've already heard it, but I went out riding with Connor and Zach's brother, Dylan, along with Simon Garens, who's like this incredible Tour de France rider who was visiting from overseas at the time. And after our ride, I'm like, come on, let's go over to Darren's house. And I, I took those guys over to your house, pre-burning down, and we're gonna get into all of that. Um, and you showed them your whole setup and they were like, Zach would just kill to be here and all that. So I think that trickled back to him as well. Yeah. And yeah. set in motion what would become this incredible TV show that you guys have done together. Yeah, so when Zach finally, it was months later, I'd forgotten, right? So you said, yeah. Yeah, it par- didn't happen quickly. No, so you said, apparently Zach Efron wants to reach out to you. Is it okay that I give Connor the number to give to Zach? And mm-hmm. I was like, sure, you know, whatever, that's fine. And so I forgot about it. And then uh, I remember the moment where I got this cold, when I mean cold, like I didn't know the number, uh, text. And it was like, hey, Darren, this is Zach Efron. I really enjoyed, I heard the podcast. I really connect with what you're doing, like a very sweet. And I ran it by my, you know, Eliza, my mm-hmm. then wife. And she was like, wow, that sounds really genuine. Cool. So I was like, dude, let's have lunch then. And so we went, ate at this great, um, vegan restaurant, Golden Mean. Uh-huh. And we sat upstairs away from everybody and sat there for a minimum of two hours. And he was largely just asking about what I was up to. Right. And then it was kind of at the very end where we walked out. He said, so what else are you doing? I said, well, you know, for 10 years, people have been asking me to do this superfood hunting show, but I really wanted to broaden it because superfood hunting is woken me up to environmental issues because I've seen a lot and I've connected to a lot of people. So I wanna do this show, longevity principles, health, uh, food systems, agriculture, water, like I wanna get, and he was like, wait a minute, so you travel, you go to all these places? I'm like, yeah, of course. So he got so fired up and then we kind of said bye, let's stay in touch. Then he called me two hours later he basically said, you know, I have this existing deal with Netflix in a topic that I just am not that excited about. Uh-huh. It was travel, it was with other celebrities eating in countries of origin that these celebrities right. were connected to. Like Feeding Phil or that Phil Rosenthal show. Yeah, so it was like going right. to those countries, eating that authentic food and a couple of celebrities hanging out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they shot the pilot no one was really, from what I hear, uh, no one was really that jazzed about it, nor was Zach. So he asked his team and, his, and the production, could we kind of bring these uh, concepts together and basically do 
what Darren was suggesting, and I'll be damned. Like he yeah. walked that in. Uh, everyone kind of, I'm putting words on it reluctantly, but right. but I think they trusted something. And then over time I got into pre-production and we spent a lot of time ironing out you know, the show and the production team was jazzed because they're like, oh wow, meaningful, powerful content. Well, typically in a situation like this, the producers would be shouldering the burden of trying to find the locations and who are the people we're gonna meet with and what are the themes we're gonna explore. But you brought this lifetime of experience and relationships to this. I suspect, and I wanna hear more about this, that most of the places you went to, you've been to before, these are people you already know who are in your life as a, as a result of you being this superfood hunter for all these years, you've traveled the world and you already knew like, oh, here are the places where we can explore these themes and I already have these relationships intact. Yeah, indeed. There was a lot of things and then some course corrections on the fly too. Like Iceland was like a, almost a last minute thing. Uh -huh. And I actually off camera, I did some foraging with some herbalists and stuff. And so really enjoyed that opportunity. But but yeah, it was, it was again, like I had lists of colleagues in every episode, like mm -hmm. heavy, right? To your point before, like if it was up to me, it would have been- You would have gone down the academic rabbit hole. A little heavier, indeed. Yeah. And the thing about me when I travel, obviously, I'm having fun. And so, you know, a little bit of the candor from the show, they grabbed a little more than I probably am or comfortable <laughs> with, but that's me. Like, so when I'm out and I'm on a mission, I also have the levity and the, and the lightness about mm. it, but I'm absolutely committed. So I had all of these experts on every episode and we we're gonna interview these people and that people and Dr. Pollock uh, and these water scientists and, Blumenthal from American Botanical Council. And we had uh, Andreas, who is the head of biopiracy that got cut out. Like, so there was, there was a lot more rigor of, of intensity of information. Uh -huh. And it was hard, to be honest with you. The first, the first actual episode we shot was Puerto Rico. And that was kind of flying <laughs> to Puerto Rico and realizing I have nobody on my side. In mm. it, that's what it felt like because I didn't really. Yes, I got to know a lot of the producers beforehand, but then I'm like, this is Zach, and he ha he's a famous person, <laughs> and there's intensity around yeah. that. And then realizing that, like, oh this may not be getting all of the information I want right, out. And right, it was hard. It was, right. it was back in the, in the hotel after a couple of days of shooting. And I was like, I don't know if I made the right decision. Well, I, it looks like, it, it feels like you went into this thinking, I'm gonna be the straight man and Zach's the entertainment and I'm the educator here. Mm. But the way that it feels when I watch it, is almost like Zach's the straight man and you're the one who's spinning a crazy yarn and he's kind of look, you know, breaking the fourth wall and looking mm -hmm. at the camera like, is this for real with this guy, you know? Mm -hmm. Like he's the skeptic, he's, he's traveling in the boots of the, the typical audience member who's never been exposed to these ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes it work is 
there is a bit of a vloggy kind of YouTube sensibility. Like there's a comedians in cars aspect to this where a lot of it is just you guys in the car driving around, right? And then it's laced with these beautiful drone shots and you know incredible cinematography and these montages. Um, and it, it picks its moments where it gets serious, but it's always interspersed with these moments of levity to, you know, make it, you know, quote unquote, like entertaining. Yeah. And here's the thing I will also say. Over the years, people have said, well, if you want to do a show, you got to get a celebrity. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it bad enough. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to have to do that to make my topics, what I believe relevant, relevant. So when I met Zach, and he, and this is very important because this hit me and this changed everything. This was when he said, hey, I have all these people that follow me. I'm an actor, but I wanna do something with my platform. I wanna make a difference. I really want to, you don't see me hawking things on my platform. You don't see me selling stuff. That's for a reason. And so I wanna do something that's gonna move the needle on health, on the planet, on moving towards a better, sustainable, regenerative outcome for our existence here. Mm. And I, when he said it, I believed it, right? And that, that changed it all for me. Yeah. Meaning that number one, it came this way. He reached out to me. So it wasn't me trying to find some celebrity to right. sell my show to. It was this innocent and powerful way that he wanted to contribute based on where he is in his life. And he does care. He's a very sweet, empathetic person that does care and maybe just didn't know how to do it until he saw a feather or a line or a string in this connection for us to be able to start turning that corner to actually make yeah. a difference. And I think it's a great start because it, you know, for me, it's never, you've known what I'm about. It's never been about a show. It's about a movement. It's about right. a mission. It's about collaboration. It's about really doing something that will make a lasting impact. And mm. I, I don't necessarily know how to do that, but I'm learning and I'm learning from people what they're asking for. So mm. yeah, I'm connected to a lot of things. The show is is starting the conversation in a lot of ways. And I am excited to see what and how this unfolds because I do not take it lightly that something has sparked this audience, has entertained them has dropped their defenses of being talked to about another, you know, agenda-filled documentary. Mm -hmm. And listen, we there's been a lot of documentaries that have, you know, it's hard, even though the subject matter you and I can agree with, but it's it's sometimes hard to take because you know we can listen to it, but it's not gonna reach over the aisle and grab yeah. the other people. So yeah. that's the show is a very, you know, deft, gentle mm. hand. And I think the coolest part is how it's connecting with really young people. 
Like, are you really gonna save, you know, the dude that's our age who's set in his ways and has his worldview at this point? But if you can reach that nine-year-old or that 12-year-old and get them thinking about these things at that age when they're malleable and they're just forming their opinions about stuff, it's incredibly powerful. So, you know, I just think it's cool. And I think, you know, to speak to Zach a little bit, um, it's laudable that he would wanna use this massive platform and his, you know, fame and celebrity for a good purpose. And you and I can't fathom what it must be like to be a guy like that, who's been just insanely famous for as long as he can possibly remember. And when you're in that position, A, like how do you even interface with the world in a healthy way? And B, like, to the extent that like you wanna use it for good, like, you know, it's it's a really cool thing. Like I, I, I just, I can't imagine what his day-to-day life existence is like. Yeah. I mean, you got a glimpse of it traveling all over the world with him. Yeah, you get a glimpse of it and you, it is intense. I mean, any country, any city. And he doesn't seem to want any part of that. He's brilliantly gifted at what he does, but it's not about that for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, Interesting relationship, yeah, for sure. Because on the one hand, any celebrity will say, of course, there's some great things about being a celebrity. But man, there is something about it on the intensity scale in terms of population and, and what people want from you and that kind of energy that's you and I can walk around and be okay. But when that's always almost anywhere yeah, on the globe like that. And how do you trust anybody? Yeah. Because everybody who rolls up on you has some kind of weird agenda. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, listen, that's, you know, we, we had a few moments in the car where, and, th- and that's a cool thing about the show. Eventually, I just, you know, for me, I just didn't care that the cameras were on to try to be something. We just... They were always on, and then we were always just uh-huh. had these great moments. And there was a couple times when I was driving from New York to the Angry Orchard Apple uh, situation. Um, it was just this beautiful moment where we just almost were having our own moment and our own little podcast, in a sense, right. uh, and talking about his life and talking about that intensity. And uh, and yeah, it's not easy, but I think through. Zach's not afraid to dig in and to mm-hmm. look at, you know, where he has his issues and where he struggles, and we all need to do that. Yeah, of course. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I'm grateful for him to open himself up in a personal way and not being a character, not being a actor, um, and largely. You know, he was not that comfortable in the beginning mm-hmm. of just like, well, oh, there's no, there's no script, there's no, no. There's no it's just us. And yeah, well, when you're an actor, you're inhabiting somebody else. Yeah. In this, he has to be himself. Yeah. And you know, me turn the camera on. I got shit to say. I, right. You know, even though they took a lot of uh, <laughs> the weird moments, but uh, yeah. you know, but but I think it's 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 great to also see you know, the different parts of people because it also makes makes it real. Cause I can I can get very serious about these subject matters. And 
um, I have both sides where I can go in and I have strong opinions and everything else. But at the same time, in order for me to keep myself balanced, I have those, you know, fun moments right. that I I learned when I traveled. I've seen a lot of things in the middle of nowhere that are horrible. Like when people, you know, when kids are dying, you're looking at these children getting water, for example, in Africa, and it's feces ridden water. And you're like, that's their life every day. And they're dying of waterborne diseases. And I'm sitting there talking to this village over here about baobab in Western Africa, about how we can get that to a bunch of people buying these supplements, right. for example. Up in like, Point Dim. Yeah, it, it's a struggle, but how I remedy that is I take that very seriously. I, I've always taken that seriously. And how I remedy that and wrestle with that is, well, how can I benefit these people? How can I, and we've talked about this several times in terms of how to look at kind of trying to create some sort of, you know, whatever terminology uh, you use, circular economy, fair trade, all of this stuff. For me, it's just the moral compass. It's like, I see something wrong or not correct or not optimal. How can I, in my own way, how can I help this situation? And so within that world of seeing this, it's easy to get overwhelmed with the amount of intensity we have with what we're not doing great as humans, uh, what we absolutely can improve and what we absolutely can improve in a great way that doesn't have to be detrimental mm. on so many of these other directions from an environment, from a health perspective. There's no separation between the our inner ecosystems yeah. and our outer ecosystems. And you know, our great friend, Zach Bush talks, you know, right. speaks wonderfully about that interaction. And so, and I think we need to, as global citizens, we just literally have to start thinking that way. And I also challenge companies to start thinking that way. Like, what is the end product of your container? Like, are, right. are, shouldn't you be responsible? for what that's doing, that single use plastic, that's here for a thousand years. Yeah. Maybe you should be responsible for, for that. And maybe there's a currency that we need to tack onto or adjust or, you know, so anyway, I'm going down those rabbit holes, but that's the view of even the impetus of this show was like, listen, there is a massive amount of stuff that we can bring light to. How do you even start? And the only way is like, well, let's start here and my life's not over and I have a lot more to give and maybe we get a second season, maybe we get a third, maybe we just keep going and, and maybe it proliferates into bringing attention to a lot of other things that aren't having the right attention. You know, and just one little thing on that too, like global warming, even having that word or words that becomes now political. Mm -hmm. That becomes, you know, black and white. I, I don't even like to use those words. I just want to like go back to, okay, well, if you can provide clean power to a group of Aboriginal people in the middle of Australia, and I'm using that example because we're working on some projects there. And it doesn't cost the government $6.2 billion 
to provide unsustainable fuel for their generators that are always breaking down. This is year by year by year by year by year. But if we can provide water, food, power cleanly, why wouldn't we do it? Yeah, shouldn't we be doing that? I mean, I think that again, the show is successful because it doesn't take some kind of partisan perspective, but there is a subtle challenge to American exceptionalism throughout the show because mm-hmm. you go to these other places that we as Americans might think are underdeveloped in comparison to kind of the technology that we produce for the world. And yet they're so much more advanced than we are in terms of how they're approaching these very important subjects. A perfect example is going to Paris and seeing what they're doing with their water and with the water fountains and how water is available to everybody. And that episode ends with, the statistics on single use plastics for water bottles and it's staggering, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes you think like, that's something very basic that we could and should be doing here and we're not. And I think the more of those experiences that you shine a light on, it makes us reflect on our own, you know, flawed perception of exceptionalism as as Americans, right? Yeah. And I think that's a very powerful thing that, some people who may not have gotten to travel and, and, and don't get to see part of the world, they're seeing these amazing people doing some incredible things that we have gotten this delusion of US as some sort of superior superpower when, yeah, there might be things that we do have without a doubt, but there's also fatal flaws that we are still doing in the face of profit-centered economy. Um, and that will always bite you mm-hmm. in the ass. And so, you know, as simple as just pulling the rug out from under these, this single-use bottle. I mean, of the 300 metric tons of plastic being created every year, half of it is literally single-use plastic. Yeah, it's just- And mostly water bottles. It's insane. So we can absolutely start, we need to turn off that faucet of that insane idea because you know, not one bit of the plastic that's ever been created on earth is gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's still here yeah. and that's up to 9.2 billion metric tons. Of all the places that you went for the, sh- what was your favorite episode or location? I've only watched the first three, so. Oh man, <laughs> I know. you're gonna cry that last, that last episode, you're gonna cry. Is that the one where your house burns down? Yeah, um, I cried both on the show and off <laughs> when I watch again, but um, I, it, it's hard to know because they each had this own special place. I think, I mean, Iceland, just from a personal perspective, I wanted to just explore infinitely more. That certainly was. And, you know, then you go to Sardinia and you see the true village life, centuries old, this simple way of living, which is flying right in the face of everything that we've grown up with. And yet we're trying to reach back to it to give us the gems so that we can live long. Yeah, Um, everybody in the village dating back 500 years can be traced to just five families, I think, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, we, we both got to, one got cut out, but I, I interviewed this 100 year old lady too, and I, I, I literally could sit there all day 
the wisdom, the just just pouring out of these people. Not that they are eloquently giving you the meaning of life, but there's these simple. It's this. It's almost like powerful contentment that you just don't feel from anybody. It's just this. I haven't left my village. I have this one lady that I interviewed that wasn't on the show. She's never been married. Mm. And I said, really? You just, I didn't think about it. What do you mean you didn't think about it? She was like, I just was living my life and I didn't think about it. I didn't feel like I needed a man. And so it just never happened. And I was like, wow. Like she didn't buy into anything because her village was also not impressed upon these made up ideologies. It was, this is the simple way of living. I'm content in such a degree. I'm blowing apart things that we think we need to accomplish. Yeah, and what is the the half-life on those experiences, right? Like you've had many of these mm. over the course of your life, but then you come home, how much of that sits with you and changes how you live on a daily basis versus, you know, fading away? Mm. Like that's the trick, right? You go and you're like, we we got it all wrong. Look at what these people are doing. And then we go back and then we just do what we always do. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's a great, Point. I mean, largely, I've. I mean, you know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty content in my, in my now yurt mm-hmm. that I had to construct after the fire, and on the land and uh, under the trees. So, in one respect, all and every trip that I've taken has influenced me into into the kind of life that I want now. At the same time, I am pulled and drawn to contribute and leave something behind, whether it's education, inspiration, connecting things and making certain things possible to contribute to things that I think we need to on a bigger scale, whether that's health, whether that's the environment, that's the wrestle. So I have a a huge desire to contribute in that way. I wouldn't say I'm content with that right. because I, it's driving me, mm-hmm. but I'm content in saying yes to it. It fuels me through, you know, we're going back to like the, the population of people loving the show. I look at it as like, yes, keep coming. Keep coming to what I'm doing. Keep coming. There are things that I'm creating that I can't reveal yet, but I am not stopping. And I'm not okay with sitting in Suelo in Sardinia becoming a hundred years right. old. Right. That's not I, gonna work for you. No. That's not your that's not your blueprint nope. anyway. It's not my blueprint yeah. of the <laughs> of the blue zones. Right. But but I think that's also the contentment of finding you finding me, finding what, what drives me, not from an ego perspective, but from the heart of, you know, the heart of everything I wanna do. And yeah. it really comes down to two very simple things. I care about the health of people. 
I believe a healthy person has more choices and can really kick ass in their life and not have to drag around this body and then be a kind of this victim of a body that's failing. Um, so I believe in health of the individual, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I believe in the intimate connection and the health of the planet. So if we can contribute in those ways, anything else, you know me, anything else, I just don't care. And those two things are interconnected, of course. 100%. And I think the show does a good job of, of establishing that and yeah. helping people to understand that connection. And I think the only other thing that I've gotten from this, such a great question, Rich, is the only, the, not the only other thing, the, an, another thing that I've gotten from the travels is not only learning more about myself from the reflection of countless different people around the world, and that is a boundary to what works for me mm -hmm. and being completely cool with saying no. And this flies in the face of being a kid from Minnesota. I don't want to let anyone down. Yeah, I know you well enough to know that <laughs> you like to say yes. And you got a lot of stuff over the years, you've had a lot of stuff flung in your direction. And perhaps you said yes a little too often mm -hmm. to certain things. Uh, and now the volume is at 11, I would suspect <laughs> what's coming at you. Yeah. So you got to definitely hone in your no engine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and stay and, focused and rather, than, rather than getting distracted, chasing things that seem cool because everything is going to look like an awesome thing to do, right? And you can't do it all. So it just makes it more important that you really keep going back to what your core mission is, what your mission statement is, what your intention is. Exactly. I mean, putting it through those two cylinders helps, meaning the health of people, health of the planet. Mm -hmm. But then there's also what I'm just really grateful for. I've, I've learned a lot of from people reaching out, a lot of people doing incredible things yeah. uh, to make the world, not only on the show itself to see, you know, s uh, CO2 sequestering in Iceland where they're injecting the CO2 back in the ground right. and then it's creating rock and stone and, and that's a great way to sequester some of it. Um, yeah, I like to also support CO2 sequestering from regenerative agriculture. That makes the most sense and something that we can do right now. And, you know, Zach Bush is doing great stuff with Farmer's Footprint and all of those things. Those are the kinds of things that I want to continue to support. And I've learned that there's a great company called Footprint that is about a billion dollar business that no one knows about that is supplying non-plastic for single-use plastic alternatives to the mm -hmm. big boys, mm. ConAgra, Pepsi, McDonald's, like they're scheduled to put out billions of single-use items replacing single-use plastic. Mm. That to me, those kind of relationships from the show, that fits with my mission right. to align, support, be ambassador for, and there's an, another 25 of them that I'm trying to do diligence on and all of that stuff. So yeah, it takes a lot right. and it's hard to say no mm -hmm. with things like that mm -hmm. for sure. We got to talk about Lords. Yeah. That was a trip. Yeah. You go to Lords 
and you're gonna figure out what's going on with the water there and the healing. And that episode opens up with a very tricky <laughs> exchange with yeah. the chief medical doctor. I don't know what his title is, right? Yeah. That got off to a doctor. rocky start. Yeah. And it looked like he thought you were gonna make fun of him or something like, like what was happening there? And like, walk me through that. Cause then ultimately it gets back on track. And that was kind of a mind blowing thing that he communicated. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that was a interesting, uh, like there was so many different directions to go down with water uh-huh. from my scientist guys to, which would have been a little dry. And so I said, well, let's go to Lourdes because I wanna actually study the water. And there was a whole part where I was looking at the water and mm. we didn't, it, we cut it out. And then I sent the water to Dr. Gerald Pollack mm. for him to do. And he wrote the book, The Fifth Phase of Water. He was an incredible, he's an incredible researcher on water. He's got a foundation. They're doing extensive research. He puts a, a program out every year and the top scientists in the world. So number one, I wanted to learn about what the hell's going on with this water. And so we ended up at Lourdes and I, I knew the medical doctor existed, but I didn't wanna meet him ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And so the people that I didn't know, I didn't wanna meet before the cameras were on because I wanted to be completely authentic. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and I don't wanna throw on anyone under the bus, but so the producers had set the meeting up. Obviously, we had to have an official meeting, and so this is what we're going to do. We're going to film this, and you know, one person's an actor, the other person is kind of the facilitator here of a water expert himself, which they said. And so we met him on camera, and instantly when I met him, I'm like, oh, I know that kind of guy. Like he's a brilliant wonderful, very articulate and very proud person. And very, like I said, underscore very intelligent. So we met, cameras are rolling, we shook hands and he started it, you know, he sat back in his chair, super excited to tell us a story. You know, he had the platform. Mm -hmm. And so he started on the story and he was a great order and it was gonna be a story. And one of the producers, as he started, kind of stepped in and said, hey, could you get to the part where blah, blah, blah? And oh my God, he was insulted. Yeah. And I can understand both sides. I can understand, he just started and we set this up and so, So he was, he was, uh, he went from, I love the guy, by the way, and I don't hold any of that against him because of a variety of things. And he just went from zero to about a nine and a half Uh being upset. And so I'm like, this is, we're done. Meaning he thought that you weren't taking him seriously and this might be some kind of weird hit piece or. Yeah, he he was starting in to really tell us a story and he was interrupted. Uh And then it just all triggered like, what what am I doing? I am legit. I have a position that's real. I am a medically trained doctor. And he hadn't got to the point of how this actually works, right? 
And how this actually works was he, with all of his medical training and a whole research, their job is to figure out if a miracle comes to them or someone thinking that this spontaneously miracle happened, his job was to figure out, did it have the criteria that they could debunk, that they could figure out, well, you know, it wasn't spontaneous and it didn't completely go into remission. It didn't change. And there's all of our medical reasons that didn't add up to this right. miracle. So he had a, so the science is heavy and it's long. And so as he was describing, starting to, he was trying to get there and he got interrupted and sure enough, he, uh, he was pissed. And then I realized in a nanosecond that this guy's out, he's out. And Zach was like a deer in headlights. Mm. And so he was like, holy shit. And everybody was, and the producers were in the other room. It was just us and the camera guys. And so I just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't care about the camera. I, I was like, and it was a little longer than what we actually cut it to be. And I was just like, let me back up. This is who I am. I care about everything that you're saying and I wanna learn. Screw the cameras, please tell me your story. And so I just, I just reeled it back mm -hmm. and I said, this is Zach, this is me. I've spent my lifetime in this space of learning and exploring and, and I wanna know what's going on here at Lourdes and I wanna know what your position is on all of this stuff. And then he sat back, calmed down, bam. Right. And that changed everything. And the producers were like, we don't know how you did that, but thank you. Yeah. And, and it became, and then of course, in the episode they showed the x-rays, the mirror, it's- Right, and just to recap for people that are watching or listening, Lourdes is this place in France where people have been going for you know hundreds of years mm -hmm. to bathe themselves and imbibe this water that's lauded for its healing properties, dating back to Bernadette having this vision of the mother Mary and being compelled to dig up this essentially spring. like underground spring and for when was that in, the, in what year was that when she did that do you remember 1800s uh, or was it older than that i think it was 1825 or something yeah. maybe yeah and so over the years there are all these documented cases of people going there and being healed so you go there and say explain to me what's going on here and you meet with this doctor and he's showing you x-rays and mris of cases that he has vetted over the years where there's no legitimate scientific explanation for how these people have healed themselves other than the fact that they have come to Lourdes and participated in this ritual of bathing in this water. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, this spring has been flowing ever since and people drink it, they bathe in it, they come, clearly there's an energy there. It feels like a sacred uh -huh. place. I mean, it's just- And that well, guy had like, had a massive cancer growth in his hip, right? That just ate away his entire hip bone. Yeah, so that was the one that he showed us that was one of the latest miracles. They had decades of research, a stack of research papers trying to figure out how this happened. The guy himself apparently didn't believe in the miracle or anything, but he, he bathed in it and started tingling all over and, uh, his hip was a, it was mush. There was nothing but ligaments holding 
his hip together because it the cancer just had eaten his right side of the hip completely and it all regenerated and there is zero scientific evidence for them to explain it right and so what happens is once they've hit these certain criteria then they're like we can't explain it in any way in our modern medicine from every angle from all the researchers who can't explain it so then they pass it to the parish to the church and they're like it's now up to you whether you so it's not the doctor's decision his job is to try to debunk it he yeah. runs it through this calculus of these criteria um, one of which is uh, that it has to stand the test of time, right? Like, yeah. so they they look they continue to like study these people for like a decade after they visit mm-hmm. Lords, and they have to dismiss any other rationale for why this person was healed and all can't these other ever things. come back, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so crazy, man. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so so Lourdes was this place we could go to to start the conversation that many, many, I've met hundreds of scientists that have dedicated their lives to understanding this mystery, this mystery of water. And it has so many properties. We talked about water. Yeah, we did like a whole podcast on water. Yeah, and it goes deeper and like pun intended, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, So Lourdes was this opportunity for us to go there is a form, a structure, a quantum expression, a chemical expression, a biological expression, an influence that water has and receives and transmits and transports and uh, everything from conduction of voltage, which we live on, uh, which our cells are needed a certain voltage we we need in order to have healthy cells. So, and you're thinking about, okay, well, all cells are through an osmotic flow of intertitial water and extratitial water. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a osmotic flow. And then when you talk about, I mean, just touching on this again, because it's so fascinating when you talk about, which is why I love Dr. Uh, Gerald Pollock's work, when that water touches a, a hydrophilic surface like the cell membrane, it creates energy from coming up against that surface by exchanging protons and, and electrons, by pushing them out, creating that what's called an exclusion zone, a little thin layer in between the membrane and the water itself. And you're like, what? It's creating voltage. It's creating energy just by the water coming up against the surface. So that exploration is a continuous, you know this about me, it's a continuous exploration of what the hell is water and how it's structured and how it can be influenced and how it can hold ridiculous amounts of memory, physical memory, like a hard drive, a computer. It can transmit information. It can receive information. So, so Lourdes, going back to the show, Lourdes was dipping our toe mm. in a little bit of what potentially water can kind of be. And you took that water and you had it studied, 
yeah. that didn't make it into the show, but what were the results of that? Well, there's, I mean, it's, it's so hard to, so I tested it from total dissolved solids. So it had a, had a great medium mineral content. You don't want too much. So there wasn't anything profound. There wasn't any toxins that I saw. There wasn't heavy metals. There wasn't, there wasn't environmental issues um, and exposure from our modern day world. There wasn't a lot. So it was a spring. It was clean. It wasn't, you know, so there wasn't that negative side of it. There was a slightly positive pH to it. So it wasn't acidic. Mm. So it was benefiting. So when you look at pH, you're also looking at voltage. So when you have a negative voltage, you have electron giving situation. If you have a acidic situation, you have, call it a free radical. You have a scavenger trying to take from in the body. Mm -hmm. And when you have a, a negative voltage, you have an antioxidant essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's a very quick version. So so from the pH perspective, it was like, okay, that makes sense. It's It's balanced, it's got electrolytes. And then I sent it off to Dr. Pollock, unfortunately through, you know, I put it in a, a stainless steel jug, I sent it through, but it's so hard because, because it's now being influenced by all the other frequencies, mm -hmm. by the airline trip. And so, so he looked at it, we didn't get conclusive evidence whether it had a lot of these hydrophilic properties or, or so, it, you know, there wasn't anything that immediately jumped out to no. you that said this is different than any other water I've ever seen, and yeah, there's, there's some kind of alien entity. <laughs> yeah, but that's... but that being said, this was a very yeah. crude way of looking at yeah. it. There was a lot of there's a lot more science you could look into that um, from. You think Pollock would go right to the source and test it he there? Ha he has over the years been in touch with this doctor, uh -huh. so there's been a lot of the top scientists and. From their perspective, there is something going on with the water. I don't know what that is yet, but there has to be some sort of control of it. It's not gonna work right. by me putting in a thing and, and sending it off to Dr. Pollock and having some super molecule that uh, is in there. So, right. but, but it, it, it begs the question. There, there is, without a doubt, coming from the earth in an aquifer uh, that is still flowing naturally from the source, from the earth itself, it's obviously a better water, mm -hmm. period. But the miraculousness, I would love to find out in my lifetime yeah. how, they, how that actually occurs. Yeah. Well, it's crazy times. You yeah. got UFOs being legitimized and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. So who knows, man? Yeah. Um, let's talk about your house burning down. I mean, th I think if memory serves me, when we last did the podcast, you had just recently acquired the property and moved in, I yeah, think, on the timeline. Yeah, so you bought this incredible little hunting lodge that had been there. When was it built? 1933. Yeah, on this pristine, beautiful patch of untouched land deep in the hills outside of Malibu. And this was like, like a dream, right? To come into this place. And while you were shooting the show, the Woolsey fire happens and just, I mean, you were right in the thick of it, like right where the, the brunt of the fire just 
just rushed right over your property and everything was scorched. Yeah. Yeah. Finishing the last episode, you know, right? So I was in the Amazon finishing this show. And I knew that the I knew that the fire had started and then we were on the Amazon and we had right. no cell reception. So I was just like, well, my house has been around for a while. I'm betting on longevity. So you had heard, were you completely out of touch or you had heard completely. that a fire had started? Yeah, that so there was I, a fire in Malibu. Yeah, so I had heard from my neighbors and from other people in Malibu, hey, there's a fire. And, and I was like, okay, uh, I'm sending good vibes, man. Um, my house is okay. Just an ultimate, you know, lesson in powerlessness. Completely. And a little naive because I'm like, I don't know how big it is. I don't really know much about it, but I'm like, you know, fire in Malibu, unfortunately, is kind of common. Yeah. yeah. So I was off. Uh, we were in the Amazon. We, we had a lot of exploring to do and largely just when I think about it, I just send good vibes and... And then we were done in the Amazon. The funny thing is when you do the timeline, if people are watching the show, the last episode, there's a plate where we're doing a, a cleansing ceremony. We're smoking. So with all these herbs, not ayahuasca, not hallucinogens, just, just kind of think of it as like a sage ceremony mm-hmm. where it's cleansing your aura and negative energies and just, just a very... It was a very powerful moment. And when we looked at the timeline, the pretty much exactly the time that that was going on and I was being smoked out is when my house was burning. How crazy is that? Wow. I just didn't know it. Whoa. So on some level, I'm being smoked out, getting to this incredible, beautiful meditative place while almost exactly my house is literally scorched and burning. So we leave and jump back on the boat, going down the Amazon River. And next thing I know, we get back to Iquitos, the boat ramp. And I literally turned on my phone and I had hundreds of messages. And then within about five minutes, I realized, and there was pictures from my neighbor. And I mean, it was an incredibly challenging thing. Like we just had been in the middle of the jungle. We just had all of these things going on. And then not five minutes, I wasn't even off the boat and I'm sitting there stunned. Mm. And then I literally, we get in the car and I'm like, my house just burned down, my house, I'm shocked. And um, I called my neighbor was the first person I said, and they picked up and I was like, and as soon as they answered, they said, I'm so sorry. And I was like, yeah, but what was there? What, I'm so sorry. What happened? I'm so sorry, everything. What do you mean everything? I'm so sorry. All of my, my house, my car, my everything, I'm so sorry. You need to call your insurance company. 
And I'm and then they sent pictures that they had walked down and taken and I saw. And that moment was just you can't you can't understand it. Yeah. In that moment. So I mean, only your fireplace remained mm-hmm. and your truck just literally melted. Yeah. And motorcycles and barns right. and and uh so I received pictures and I and then I was in the middle of just devastation. Like I didn't and then I hearing all these messages. My mom left messages, my ex wife left messages, all these people leaving me. I'm so sorry. And I'm like I mean, I'm trying to process like what do you mean? I just lost everything? Like and then and then I told the crew and then a few hours later, they said, listen, we totally understand if you want to leave and go deal with this stuff. And I just sat mm. there and I was like, well, what am I going to do? What am, what am I going to do now? And so I just said, well, why do you think I'm here? I'm, I'm here on this mission that may look partially like a TV show. But there was a moment in Puerto Rico that didn't make the show. There was a point when, the, when, when I said that was the first place we shot, when I was looking around at the devastation that happened in Puerto Rico from the hurricanes, and I looked and they're putting up, you know, they're putting up the same infrastructure that's gonna get wiped out again, mm-hmm. without a doubt, it doesn't mm-hmm. take a rocket scientist to figure that out. And I'm like, you guys might have power after a year and a half, but you're as vulnerable. There's no difference. And and then I was like, I'm looking around going, that's the same infrastructure we have everywhere. We're all vulnerable. It could happen to all of us, any of us. And that was literally conscious thought mm-hmm. from Puerto Rico. And then it literally happened to me. I lost everything from a disaster like this. And so, that resolve of why I'm here became very clear, very quick, even though I'm grieving and I'm sad and I'm upset and I'm shocked. And I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm finishing this fucking show. Like, cause I know at least a glimpse more of why I'm doing this, why I'm even here. And so I didn't leave and we continued with the show and and then I, you know, I came back and then dealt with just waves and yeah. waves and waves of grief. I reached out to Dylan and asked him, I said, Darren's coming on the podcast. Like, what are some things that happened during the filming of the show? Because Dylan was on the production team uh, that, you know, I might not know about that would be interesting to explore. And he said, he gave me a lot of input, but basically one of the things he said was that, you know, definitely when his house burned down, when you guys were in Iquitos, he said that was so tragic, but somehow Darren kept his head on his shoulders and filmed and stayed positive. He was a rock the whole shoot, always a morale booster for the exhausted crew. We definitely looked up to his work ethic, his early morning workouts and constant positivity and knowledge bombs. And you know the fact that like you just lost everything that you own, like your relationship to the material world was completely rocked while you're being saged in this place where people have nothing and your ability to maintain your composure, of course, amidst of you know the emotional tumult that that would have caused, is an incredible thing. And you know, 
I just know knowing you, how you navigated the kind of emotional landmines of that and the very practical material landmines of that. And very quickly you went from, you know, look, anybody would be horribly upset at this happening, but you were able to reset really quickly and reframe the entire thing as an opportunity. And you were able to let it go, like true, not just it, give it lip service, but to like really like let it all go. Mm-hmm. So like walk me through that like journey, you know, when you come back and you have to see what has happened to the point of like, this is awesome. Now I get to like build the house that I want. <sighs> I think that, um, you know, grief is not something that comes easy for anybody. And uh, the loss is so intense that I think the, the, the practice of challenges helped prepare me for that, that moment. And the only other thing I could relate to that was more intense than that was the loss of my father. And when my father passed away, it was so incredibly intense that I just told myself, let it all happen. Let the emotions happen. Don't try to do anything. I don't know where that voice came from. So I did. I let all of that emotion go and I and and process through me. And the same thing with the house. I, I can't hold this tsunami of emotions back. It physically hurts to try to intellectualize what just happened. So let it happen. Let it all express itself. And it was weird, Rich. It was tricky because the whole community got hammered. Yeah. Friends of mine and friends of yours. And, and so when I was grieving through it, and realizing that I have friends, I have relationships, I have love, that was the first thing that came rushing through and the support and the love and the their hands reaching out to me was from every direction. That was like, well, this is what it's all about. This is life right yeah. here. And so receiving that was a gift. And, and then through that grief, and allowing it to happen, it was just like, well, it may feel like this happened to me, but something shifted and I was like, no, this happened for me. And then once that clicked, I got so elated, it was freaky. I know it was weird because you were le- you were legitimately <laughs> like thrilled. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? I know. Like, and, this is incredible. I know. And you guys were looking at me like <laughs> an know. alien. But it clicked into, there's going to be a lot of work ahead. Yeah. I, I wasn't, that wasn't. You had, I mean, you're, you're in the yurt now. You've been in the yurt for longer than I thought you would be in the yurt. Like yeah. I thought your, this new house project would be further along than it is. I don't oh, know what man. the status is, but. It's still in permit yeah. hell. Uh-huh. But. I went, this is happening to me, no. This is happening for me, yes. And the thing that it did was 
the glimpse that I got into my resolve when I thought I was passionate about contributing to the world and contributing to people and contributing to helping the planet, I paled in comparison to what this deepened inside of me. So that gift alone, I could not take that back. I would not want to take that back because it gave me, I don't know what you even call it, this sense of commitment, love, respect, resolve, passion, all of that deepened in a way that there's no way I would want to give that back. So I wouldn't want that experience not to have happened mm -hmm. because of the gift that I was starting to receive in waves and waves and waves. And you guys and you seeing some of that stuff, I was like, I'm freaking stoked, man, because I see something now. I see through the grief and I see a world that I want to contribute to. And I know that I can kick some ass and give it a go and use this as an opportunity to raise attention about a different way of decentralizing power, for example. There's people I know that can create clean power in a powerful way, build differently, that can protect against fire and seismic activity of earthquakes, that we can regenerate through permaculture and understanding food and food systems and growing through our connectedness of this earth or the way we're living and the way we're not living and their health and vitality. Boom, 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 boom. All yeah. of that stuff was rushing in in a way that I thought I knew, but was coming in so powerfully that I changed my life and I'm grateful for it. So living in the year, no problem. Yeah. Still going for it's it. More, it's more you anyway than a hunting lodge. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're living in this yurt. So you have this sort of minimalistic lifestyle. And at the same time, the project of reimagining and reconstructing a domicile for you is like a project and a symbol and a means for you to bring your values into greater alignment with your actions, right? Like you can create this structure that reflects everything about who you are, mm -hmm. being off the grid and with the water and with the power and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but you're also butting up against the status quo in a big way. Like I know you've this battle that you're waging right now, just, mm -hmm. to, just to try to create something that is off grid is, something no one wants to hear about, right? Like you're yeah. like, I, I don't wanna use the power from the pole. I'm gonna do it this way. And yeah. they're like, well, you can't, right? Yeah. Like the systemic nature of how we live is so powerful that it almost doesn't permit you to do things a better way. Yeah, and quote unquote, the normal person has no other options. Right. Because we haven't invested into our world that way. We have been reliant upon these monolithic monopolies that are like, okay, if I build a house, I gotta use this company Edison or PG&E or these other big monopolies and they put up these god awful poles and they string these lines and it clicks to our house and then we have a smart meter that blasts us with EMF and blah, 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 it goes on and on and on. And I was like, number one, these freaking guys didn't give me temporary power. They had me jumping through all these freaking right. hoops. So I just said, screw you guys. 
I'm not taking your power. I'm gonna create. I'm gonna build a yurt. I'm gonna get it off grid. I'm gonna use solar panel. I'm gonna use some battery systems, and I'm gonna have everything I need. I'm not living without air conditioning and a beautiful bathroom and yeah, a kitchen. Yeah, it's a nice yurt. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna live, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna also explore that we don't have to live. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Like we're living just in a tent without these beautiful parts of our modern day world where it's comfortable and uh, clean and all of that stuff. I wanna put attention that we can decentralize this power because I'm not taking power from any monopoly ever again. I'm not take. So when I build the beautiful sustainable house, the one that's gorgeous and looks like a piece of art and has all of this, stuff in it. I'm not living in a tent. I'm living in a beautiful structure. I'm never taking power again. So there's other ways and it's way beyond solar. And this is a whole nother conversation that you and I will have when I start really getting into these power systems that will blow people's minds. Mm -hmm. Again, that people are doing that we don't know about. A little bit on this show, like you realize there's some great people and countries doing incredible things. If we knew more about that stuff, we could as a populace invest and understand and educate ourselves around that and not have these monopolies largely being the result of this fire, right? For example, that changed our community forever. So no, I'm gonna spend time, energy and resources into decentralizing decentralize our food so it can be food sovereignty, decentralize our power so we can have power sovereignty and start to figure out different ways to cultivate water, right? And there's ways, Mm -hmm. believe me, there's ways that you can cultivate from 2% humidity and you can create drinkable water right now. There's a lot of different things that we can do to create freedoms back again, because I don't know about you, but there's some freedoms for some good reasons for right now and some not good reasons that are going on as we speak that are not promoting our freedom. Mm-hmm. So I don't need but to be- But it's the subtle ones that we're not even consciously aware of that, yeah. that are the ones that are more problematic that we need to pay more attention to. And I think the, the power thing is a great example of that. I mean, I remember yeah. I came down to your house to visit you maybe a year ago or something like that. And it was an ongoing frustration because they wouldn't give you temporary power, right? Like, I don't know what was going on there, but I go to your house, you don't have temporary power, but it was either, I think it was Edison had brought all its trucks down and they're like trimming the trees around the poles where the wires were. And you were like, I was like, what are these guys doing here? You're like, hey, you went out there and you were livid. You're like, I don't even have power here. I don't want your power. What are you doing here cutting my trees? Like, get off my property. Totally. You remember that? I remember yeah. that. The timing of you, you were like behind the truck or well, something. I was stuck, like, because yeah. you have this tiny little winding. I mean, to get to where you live is like a whole ordeal, right? Yeah. And you, there's no, there isn't room for a car to pass another car on your winding long driveway. That was a funny moment. That, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that, because that was the culmination of them not giving me power when I desperately needed to be back on my property. So everything that LA County and Malibu County, 
basically yeah. said they were going to do, they weren't doing. So I'm fighting with going, they're not, wow, they're not going to give me temporary, I can't inhabit my own property. So the very, I'm jumping through hoop after hoop after, they want this now, they want this now, they want this now, they were making me do all these things. I'm like, give me fucking temporary power. Right. I want to be back on my property. I want my dog back who's you know, like displaced and can't be with me right now. Give me my life back. And I bureaucratically, they didn't care. So that moment was a funny moment when you showed up and I'm like, they just rolled into my property, didn't tell me and started cutting down sacred oak trees for wires that weren't even turned on. Right. So I raced back. I called them immediately saying, tell me that these wires are not, don't have power. Okay, hold on. We'll get back to you. They don't have power. Yes, they don't have power. They're not turned on. Okay, great. Take your power lines down. I've never told you it's okay. Get them off my property. <laughs> and also these people yeah. are cutting my trees down. Get them mm. out of here. So <laughs> I think we all can relate to that. We all have this beautiful, convenient world, but there's, you know, I use this term all the time. There's fatal conveniences. In this respect, if my power goes out, I have no power sovereignty. If I rely on these things, monopolies and these systems that are failing, they failed Puerto Rico. They failed me. They failed our community. We have to do something different. We have to do everything we can, pun intended, to get our power back, mm. our individual power. We need to invest into these other systems that do not have it all intertwined with one or two people making decisions for everybody. Yeah, power being more than just electricity, but a symbol of personal agency 100%. in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. How has uh, the age of COVID and coronavirus affected your daily routine? Like what's, walk me through the Darren O'Lean <laughs> day in the life of hydration and nutrition and fitness. Well, I mean, obviously the intensity of the moment doesn't escape us, Yeah. but my daily life is largely not different. You're as socially distant from other people as anybody I know. Yeah. I mean, just where geographically where you live. Yeah, and it's also part of understanding how I work powerfully in the world. I do need nature. I do need to repower myself up. I do need to step away in order for me to, to then step in and kick some butt. Um, but yeah, the so I'm grateful I've cultivated a life where I, I'm not next to people in buildings and Wi-Fi signals and that intensity. So my heart goes out to people in this challenging time where you're like stuck, um, I'm not. And with that, I don't look at that lightly. I'm trying to do, I'm as busy as I've ever been. I'm as structured and as scheduled as I've ever been. And because I want to contribute, I wanna continue to help people live a healthy life. So yeah. I wake up, I wake up early, 
I you're on you, the eight to four program still. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Um, so you know, I I get my my water action. I I start. You know, got my. He's got some show and tell. I got my blue bottle. So this is a great company. Um, this is where glass bottles get away from single-use plastic. I've, I filter my water like crazy. All the water filters into my house. Um, this is a cool company because of the frequency of the blue. Um, so the light passing through the blue does what to the water? Helps structures the water in a way that's a similar um, frequency as a healthy cell. So a healthy cell is between negative 25 and 35 uh, microvolts. Right, so that light passing through helps to structure that water. It creates a energetic signature that is similar to that which is a healthy cell. Mm. Okay, when you get injured, the body uses more energy to ramp up the voltage, literally, so that the healing can happen. When you're acidic and not eating well and not eating enough plants, your voltage literally drops. Right, eighth grade class took two voltage meters in a potato and you turn a light on. Right. That's as simple as it is, right? So boom, drink my water. I've got some hydro on demand hydrogen water. What's the name of that bottle? This is a company called Blue Bottle Love. Mm. And I happen to have love on the bottle. So this works with, you know, Dr. Emoto. Masuri Emoto, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he did a lot of research <laughs> around the structure of water. Uh-huh. And this was just his way of showing that their water is uh, informed, right? So he wrote the you know love and hate and all of this stuff and realize that that water is structured by that influence. So hey, whether you believe it or not, it feels good to look down and drink water that's filled, right. you know, that's that's bathing in love. And then I also have uh, you know, so I have a lot of technology around uh, water, but then um, what is your particular water filtration system that you use? Yeah, so I filter all the water um, coming into the house. So every bit of water goes through three phase filters um, and then it vortates. So the great work of Schauberger back in the early 1900s, he was an observer and researcher of nature and he realized that water vortates. It's healthy when it structures itself that doesn't move in a straight line nor is it good when it's stagnant. So my water is filtered and then it goes through a vortator. So it structures the water as it's coming into the house. So mm-hmm. then I, it's just a nice little RO system, so reverse osmosis. So it's taking out pharmaceuticals, taking out fluorides and chlorines and volatile compounds that interact with those things. And then I have a, then my final filter system, it goes to, into a on-demand hydrogen mm-hmm. creating machine. So hydrogen is uh, one of the great antioxidants, stabilizers of free radicals in nature. So that's pretty much what this is. And then it's in a glass So it's bottle. literally mm-hmm. like a three-stage, four-stage process where you have yeah. multiple filtration systems before the water yeah. ends up in that blue bottle. Yeah, plus I have a well. Too uh-huh. so wet well is pretty, and you you get all the water from the well. Yeah, right. And uh, so yeah, it's pretty. 
So my whole- For people that are into digging into that more, do you have links for the particular types of filters that you use that we could put in the show notes? We're devising a uh, FAQ because uh-huh. that's a big- uh, Well, after your water episode on the show, I'm sure yeah. a lot of people want to know yeah, more so about we'll, that. We'll get that to you. And um, if people are overwhelmed with just hearing that, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> you basically just uh, uh-huh. a reverse osmosis- Couple hundred bucks. That's is that the most important of all of these? Like, if somebody wants to just start, like, where's the focus? Yeah, because the RO is a particular size of filter that won't allow those particulates to go go through the dangerous ones, the pharmaceuticals, and the the things that are ending up in our mm-hmm. water. So it filters out that. Or you can also distill the water. So distillation of, through its evaporation and then recondensing. Clearly that's a good one. But, but you your know, water sommelier in the show said no bueno to that. Yeah, so that's where him and I conflict a bit. And we weren't able to have a discussion enough that would make it in the show. So, but he's not wrong. There's just some nuance to it. Not everyone can buy a bottle water from who knows where. Right. But some of those Catalonia. high- so let's define TDS again, total dissolved solids. In our modern day world, there's a lot of junk as a total dissolved solid. There's pharmaceuticals, there's chlorine, there's fluorides, there's a volatile nitrates, there's a bunch of stuff. So the TDS number alone is not a valid indicator because it's, it, doesn't, it's, it doesn't calibrate the quality of the TDS. Right, it's, exactly, it's just a total. If in nature it was just TDS, it would just be mainly minerals, right? Unless some dirt was in there. So TDS is important, but it's important not to have the volatile compounds. If you turn on your tap, you're having many of those volatile compounds. Now, the good thing about the modern day world, you're putting chlorine in there so it can make it all the way to you and not have bacteria that literally is gonna kill you. So that's there's nothing wrong with what we've done, but it hasn't got out everything. And by exposing yourself to those chemicals and those interactive volatile compounds, those are what you need to strip out. So that's the distinction difference between TDS. So super high TDS that he obviously showed on the show, Mm -hmm. that is not a sustainable way of getting hydration. Those are just incredible kind of... um, almost medicinal Medicinal, sides of water that are just there to facilitate something and be exposed to, but not on a long-term way to be hydrated. Definitely not. So for the most part, none of us have free exposure to clean spring water. Number one, if you have clean tested spring water, number one choice, without a doubt. But most of us don't which is why I then go, well, you have to deconstruct that water. You gotta get rid of that crap so that you can build it back up again, mm-hmm. which is why I say distill your water and reverse osmosis. And then- You can like remineralize it. So then you can remineralize it. And a pinch of Himalayan crystal salt does what? It adds the minerals and the electrolytes again. For what? So voltage, can happen because that is how you hydrate and that is how you maintain healthy cells. So again, you go back to voltage, you go back to frequency. If you have distilled water, it has no voltage, right? So that's just where that little mm. pinch. So that's an easy Got thing it. for people to do. 
RO, distill, add a pinch of Himalayan crystal salt. And then if you want to start exploring, stay away from single-use plastic, start to get maybe a little into the structuring side of, of the water, help to influence that water a little bit, shake it up, uh, maybe get a little more oxygenation in there. Water doesn't like to be just sitting around. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so that's a little bit on right. what to do. So anyway, that's it always seems to be the long part of the yeah, my no, morning no, no, routine is water. Uh, but, <laughs> well, but, hydration is your whole thing. I mean, the, the point being like we're underhydrated. If people truly understood the power, the potency, the importance of hydration, yeah. it could really revolutionize your health. Yeah, I mean, one of the number one cause of fatigue, uh, retention, uh, brain loss, the dementia and Alzheimer's definitely have a dehydrative component to that. When you look at the stats, I even mentioned this in my book, 7% of 300 million people don't even drink an ounce of water a day, Rich. That's like- How is that possible? I know, because what's happened, what I believe is happening, when you wake up, your body has used that water, it's trying to repair the brain and the central nervous system and, and get out the toxins. You wake up, you're fatigued, you're tired. You reach for what you think you need energy for. So you reach for your coffee, your stimulants and everything else. And then you're in that cycle, but you're not actually reaching for water. And so the brain and the being is so powerful that it will shut off that signal of just intense thirst so that you can actually have enough mental capacity to primally try to find water again but we're not we're mm-hmm. grabbing for the other stimulants again mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a it's a crazy thing that the the body's so adaptive that we literally will pass on dehydrative blueprints epidemiologically to your children because if you have trained yourself that this is a desert i'm not drinking any water then your body has to shut down certain systems the skin's definitely right. going to start to fail your eyesight, your brain activity is going to be less, you're going to be fatigued. And if you've been doing that, you're going to pass that on to your children. Like an epigenetic way, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you take one thing away from this podcast, it's start your day with a liter of water. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, from there, I just play a lot of elixirs and and uh, adaptogens and things like that. And then I have my morning routine and, you know, I get very clear on what I want to do and my passions and alignments and meditative places I go to, uh, breathing routines uh, may seem like a lot, but it isn't, it's very efficient. And then, and then it's just getting clear on what I want to do. And then I work out uh, and, that's a lot of. By the time you finish the morning workout, you've lived an entire day. Yeah. You get up at four, this yeah. process begins. And by 10 a.m., you're ready to start your day, but you've already had a whole day. Yeah. So that's when yeah. I'll take, like, make, maybe make a ridiculously huge bowl of like fruit and smoothie and throw a ton of barucas on top. And that's when I'll have my first meal after I've done yeah. all that. You know. And you live alone with Chaga, your dog. So yeah. you have the ability to control your environment in a way that a lot of people don't. How was it when you were doing the show and you had to go to all these crazy places? Like I gathered from, at least in Iceland, <laughs> trying, to, trying to eat plant-based there looked like it might've been a little bit of a challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, you you do realize throughout you know all of these traveling around, you realize that certain cultures it's a lot more yeah. difficult. But you know, luckily the word was out, so all these people and chefs and like mm. they made sure that it wasn't it wasn't challenging. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> I don't make it a big deal when people want to eat whatever they want. That's that's on them. Right. Uh, I thought it was interesting in the show. The point is made like, oh, you're vegan, but it's not belabored. It's not about that, yeah. and you're not like trying to, you know, make that at the forefront of you know what the show is about specifically. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. I, you know, I've talked. I, I just want to lead by an example and also demystify that you can live a healthy, strong life eating plants. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's ridiculous that um, that is not perceived even um, that, you know, you can get all the nutrients you want from an infinitely more. So I don't like to hammer that in people, uh, but um, I still kick ass yeah. and love it. Well, you out sprinted Zach out in the field in France. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this TMs, yeah. this TM. How did, that, how did the plant-based diet rub off on him? Listen, I, he's been in and out of that yeah. for a while. I think it's just uh, you got to commit, man. You got to mm. commit to anything. And you know, you know, being an this isn't a Zach Comet per se, but I've been around a lot of actors, and and you go in and out of these micro worlds, and it can be draining. And if you don't prepare and plan in and out of this intensity, then you can flip and flop all the time. You know, I saw it in my wife too, my ex-wife as an actress. So, you know, he believes in plants and medicinal plants and, and for sure. And he largely um, has been eating uh, a lot of plants and, yeah. and mostly plants. But, you know, I think for the show, he felt a little pressure too to like, well, these chefs and they're gonna make us all this yeah. stuff. So I should, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What else you got in your show and tell down there? You yes. got some barucas? Oh my God, dude. So this isn't even the right bag. Notice I put uh -huh. cacao. I'm gonna have you right, eat this. You wrote it in pen. So this is- So last time you were on the podcast, this company had essentially recently launched Barucas, the, uh, the Baru Nut Company that are these incredibly delicious, nutritious nuts that you've sourced from the Cerrado in, uh, in Brazil. And these things are unbelievably delicious. Yeah. You can't believe how good they taste. And then when you look at their nutritional profile, it's insane. It's insane. So this dude. Is that your butter? This, this is, is the new butter. So uh -huh. they, so they, we put a wild cashew with Baruchas before and I told them, listen, give me some time. Let me make a butter. I want you to try that. Yeah, slide that over. I want you to try that. That is the best. So that's coming out. That is a Baruka butter with a little coconut oil. Coconut oil. Cinnamon? No, it's got the fruit of the barucas in there. Oh, That's the right. country yeah. stuff. And then a little bit of lohan gao, which is called monk fruit. So it's, it adds a little extra sweet to it. So that's coming out very soon, probably when this that's launches. Insane. Yeah. And then this oh one. Oh my God. So you're gonna mass produce this. Yeah. Those are from the factory in Brazil. I made That's some so much better than peanut butter or almond butter. Coconut oil, baru nut, and the monk fruit, fruit, and the and the fruit of the barucas. Right. It's like 
Wow. Perfect combo. So this, so dude. Try some of those. So now this is fair trade cacao covered oh my barucas. So these are, this is the superfood equivalent of chocolate covered peanuts. Oh right? yeah, man. And it tastes infinitely better. Wow. Those are crazy. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Barucas is one of those companies where I, you know, I found this nut. It was basically offered to me and said, do you know about it? No, I don't. I looked into it. I explored it. I saw the nutritional profile. I actually didn't believe it because it was mm -hmm. so superior than any nut that's ever been tested. So we tested it got our own nutritional data, blew all the nuts away, complete protein, uh, three times more fiber, 400% more antioxidants than almonds. It's a wild food. It's very rare to be eating wild food these mm -hmm. days, right? So it's naturally collected throughout the Sahadu, uh, supporting all these indigenous foragers, not um, just supporting them, but basically creating a, a, a buffer, like a preventative zone to compete against the encroaching cattle ranchers who want to clear this land. Yeah. And also going back to the cattle ranchers that also have it going, hey, we'll give you trees to plant some of these back so that you have shade for your cattle. Mm. And so we're starting to, starting to those conversations. So it supports the people. It supports people by eating it because it's so nutrient dense and it's delicious. And we're planting trees and also other biodiverse plants in the Sahado again, because the Sahado people don't realize it's being destroyed faster than any landmass on the planet. So for unsustainable- yeah, We don't hear a lot about the Sahado. We hear oh, about the Amazon. I know. But the Sahado is like a, it's more, it's a drier kind of, plane-like yeah. environment, right? Yeah, so most of the plant- The biomass is underground. The biomass right? yeah. is underground. So you have the Badozeta tree, it's got a very deep tap root and that's where the Baruca comes from and it taps the aquifer below. So it doesn't need this auxiliary water. So this is all, again, it's wild. There's no pesticides, herbicides, there's no irrigation inputs, it's from the wild. And so we're getting to support that natural biome and then actually help planting the trees. So every, so our basic motto is every five pounds we sell, we plant, we plant mm -hmm. a tree. And mm -hmm. so we're, we're super proud of that and, um, and, and getting this out. And again, we, we, this is, this is again, a no brainer. We had to create our business model this way. And this is where we all have to go. You know, and supporting the people, supporting the environment, and supporting the customers that are getting a nutrient right. dense food. The trick with these things is they come encased in a massive shell, like the fruit, right? Yeah. It's unbelievably hard. And you have to, like, essentially, historically, they've done this one by one, right? By yeah. hand. Yeah. And the, the trick is trying to figure out a way to scale this yeah. so that you can like devise some kind of machine to do it or how what's going on with that? Yeah, so we're still, I mean, we've made progress, but we're still trying to continue to develop better and better mechanisms to crack that shell. Mm -hmm. You can't use existing uh, right. nut cracking because different sizes, different 
kind of shell. We're shaving the fruit from the outside and using the fruit. It's just a, but historically they used to thousands of years ago, they take the whole fruit. So when I say the whole fruit, it's got the fruit layer, it's got the shell, it's got one seed. Right. One per, one, per, one per thing. And, yeah. Yeah. And you it's can't. It's unbelievably labor intensive for yeah. one seed. And you can't pick it early. It has to fall because it doesn't actually develop the seed until uh-huh. at the very end. And so they pick it up and typically they put it around a fire and and then on the outside of the fire, it would, it would roast it overnight and then it was easier to break open and they would eat it. Mm. But when we showed up, they were like hitting them with rocks and machetes and and things like that. So we've started to automate using hydraulics and other things like uh-huh. that. So we're continuing to develop. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's creating an economy that was largely these doors were being lost. I mean, these people are shutting their doors to this, this even within the country. So we're super proud that we have, have allowed for this indigenous plant to still be mm-hmm. around and then to develop it in the country itself because we're very happy that we're starting to distribute all throughout Brazil too. It's not just yeah. bring it here and oh, that's cool. sell it. You know, We're selling it all throughout. What about country. the trail mix? Did you bring any of that? Oh, I didn't. Oh, the trail that mix. stuff is so good. Yeah, sorry. So the trail it's mix. It's also is, like a, an amazing breakfast cereal. It's unbelievable. 100%. So the trail mix for everyone listening is the nut with the fruit layer that's dried and we add it together and it's just a ridiculous yeah. combination. So. Can, is this, this is basically like direct to consumer right now. I mean, it's in some retail outlets, yeah. right? But yeah, we're following the website and find yeah, it. The website's there, barucas.com. And then we'll have a, we have a, you've, you've got a promo code um, and a discount code, I think. I think so. What is it? I should know that. Yeah. We'll, I don't know. We'll it's put, probably barucas.com slash rich roll, I suspect, but yeah, I I'll put been. it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and we love your customers because they care. They care about the environment. Yeah. They care about their nutrition. Um, and they care about the way we're sustainably working with mm. this this uh, important, not only business model, but um, this sacred nut that yeah. uh, we've got to support. It's cool. Yeah. So how's the podcast journey been for you? Oh man. How many episodes have you done now? Uh, I think, t- I think by the, by us talking here, I think it's 13 or 14 yeah. episodes. Uh-huh. I've Welcome know. to the club. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was great timing. I mean, I have yeah. a, a clunk- I mean, for you to launch it, essentially just have like, how many episodes did you have out when the show launched? I don't know, maybe eight, nine. I mean, I know that it wasn't that timing wasn't by design, but it's no. it 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 was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> you did those things together. Yeah, I was I was working mm-hmm. on the podcast for a while, as you know, and yeah. uh, you know, just figuring it out. I had this great company, Amplify, out of Australia, who's the engineers behind it, so they took off that burden and that labor. And so I just started getting used to just interviewing people and doing that stuff. And so I've had a bunch in the can. And again, you know, the sh- the TV show was supposed to come out a year ago. Right. And so th- it was just by divine plan that this all just lined up together. I launched the one to one tribe app, right. which is a 
some recipes and functional training and information and water tracking and the podcast that all just and then 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 we got the I didn't know when Netflix was going to launch it. We all didn't know. Right. And then all of a sudden the last minute they give us this date and I'm like, "Wow. Okay. So yeah, yeah, people think that you have control over those things. No. No. You had no idea. Which is why I, I just like, well, okay, so I'm potentially developing another TV show. I'm staying focused on the podcast. And I'm going to get that out. I'm going to stay focused on this one-to-one tribe app. I'm just going to keep creating because I am dedicated to what I'm doing. And then I'm working on this sustainable stuff on the side, not really on the side, but on the forefront. But it takes a long time to develop some of these uh, energy tech solutions with these groups. And so I just creating and it just happened. To- well, it's a great example of, of luck and you know, hard work meets opportunity and luck, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just were plowing ahead, not waiting, sitting around waiting for the Netflix show to come out. Right. Like you created all this other stuff and divine timing kind of, you know, coincided to have these things all percolate right around the same time and yeah. sort of feed each other. Yeah, it's amazing. It's cool. Yeah. But the podcast, you seem like you're having fun with it. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I you know, listen, dude, I, I mean, you know, being here with you, like just us talking and, and getting into stuff about things we care about, um, I love it. And, I, and, and there's voices that haven't been heard and there's stories within every person um, using this microphone as a, a conscious collaborator uh, and, and, you know, ear to our conversation is fantastic and I I love it. And I'm learning as you know, so much and exploring in my entrepreneurial brain and DNA is just like, oh my God, let's do Uh, more stuff with all of these great people. So yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I think what you can bring to this that I haven't seen yet is shining a light on some of these amazing people that you know because of all the travels that you've gone on, mm-hmm. people that no one's ever heard of who are mm-hmm. who are like doing incredible things super obscurely. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, tell everyone about this, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, if people wanna check out, like a perfect example of that is uh, episode number two with my buddy, Chris Patton. Mm-hmm. You can't even Google search him. Nothing will show up. And this guy's been dedicated to the planet and clean energy tech for 20 years. And his life is centered around the civil unrest in Western Africa in the 90s when it blew up and he was stabbed and he was shot and his, all he's lost all his friends and, and he survived it. Is this the blood diamond guy? And this yeah. is the blood diamond uh-huh. guy. So his, he sold his rights of part of that journey into the what was now the Blood Diamond movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh-huh. And yeah, they took some liberties and making it, made it into a Blood Diamond situation, but that wasn't what he was doing. But it was that, that he, and then he spent the next 20 years dedicating his life to figuring out what energy systems from underground Russian scientists to uh, obscure Tesla technology and his own science team and working directly with NASA and developing technology of lunar habitat, uh, power systems. From what we know now, it's the only power systems that they've signed off on. Uh Um, So this guy, and I've known him for 17 years and we resonate in this way of commitment, I think. He's 
utterly committed to not having this planet fall apart in our hands to create um, better uses of non-nuclear, no emissions, no waste power systems. And he's done it. Mm. And I can't wait to scream from the highest mountaintops on what he's doing and what we're involved with. Yeah, more guys like that, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, I can't let you go without leaving leaving people with a couple things that they can take with them. The show did such a great job of of talking about a lot of the stuff that you care about in a very macro sense. Like we go to Iceland and we see how they're generating sustainable power, but it's like, all right, well, what can I do? You know, what what am I how do I translate that into something actionable in my day-to-day life? So, I think, you know, it would be great through the lens of sustainability and, and personal health to leave people with a couple simple practices that they could think about and perhaps integrate into their lives that would help them. Well, I think that's more clear, thank you. And I think more clear than ever, people need to be healthy. They need to stop distracting themselves and eat more plants and figure out a program that's gonna work and get healthy because we need strong people to do that. Give me a little vegan bicep flex right now. <laughs> there you go. Come on, dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we need strong, healthy, happy people, non-judgmentally kicking ass in their life. And I really believe that's the purpose of health so that you can kick ass in your life and have the fulfilling life you want so you're not miserable with a chemistry set that isn't working. So find a different way if it's, you know, your app, if it's my app, the one, two, one tribe, if it's finding a group of people, even online or whatever that you can move and explore and just, you know, find recipes that work, eat better, uh, hydrate yourself without a doubt. That's the, that's the easiest one. I think environmentally, uh, and it, it may feel like people have heard this before, but single-use plastic, my God, we need to stop. Quit buying, you know, cartons and containers and water bottles that you're literally just using and throwing away. Unless you have a technology that you're able to use pyrolysis and break down the plastic and turning <laughs> into fuel for your Tesla, which actually exists, so I so I'm mentioning it for uh-huh. a reason. Unless you have that technology, stop using the, the single-use plastic. Do everything you can. And, and this goes hand in hand to that is start being aware of the unsustainable business practices of companies and big companies and support and maybe pay a little extra money for your food, for your conveniences, to support companies that are doing things right, supporting companies that are being transparent with what they're doing and what they're offering. And that is absolutely something you can do right now and demand that. Support those small, of course, right now, support the small businesses right now. And if anything, I know so many more from all of them reaching out from the show that there's some great people doing incredible things that people don't know about. So look at your dental floss, that glide dental floss that is creating, putting toxins in your liver by this 
chemicals of, of PGAs and all of this other, stop using that company because that company doesn't give a shit about you. Use a bamboo string or whatever. Like that's literally what I'm saying. Stop the toxic exposure to yourself and your life and support companies that are actually giving a shit about you. I think those are a lot of things that we can do um, to put attention on what needs attention mm. and stop putting your hard-earned money and attention on companies that don't care and have never cared. People are busy. They don't want to, or they don't have the bandwidth to devote the energy and time to trying to figure out who's doing things right and who isn't. Are there any resources that you rely on to figure that out? Like, where do you go to learn? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I'm trying to mobilize and use a sub part of the app as that uh -huh. a kind of a wellness warrior ambassador program. I don't know the name yet, but we have started an outline to, to create attention towards brands that are doing things right, create current events that are uh, and charities and organizations that are doing things right. So, so I'm just now starting that. I'm starting that with, you know, the generation Z kids uh -huh. so, so that they can, uh, uh, mobilize themselves in that direction but but no I don't I don't know and um, this is something that we all need to know a little bit more about not being preached to but replacing those things that we're doing on a daily basis because we're we're using single-use plastic way too much and we can stop that um, and we're also uh, just not aware of you know that's why I do a segment on the on the podcast called Fatal Conveniences, mm -hmm. where I reveal some of these things that you don't even realize you're doing to then have this chemical that you're being exposed to, but then have a solution for it. So right. we do need to move in that direction. And all the listeners, please reach out to me and reach out to Rich and give us suggestions because I definitely want to support that movement. Yeah, I watched. Uh, this movie the other night called An American Pickle with Seth Rogen, it premiered on HBO. And the young Seth Rogen plays two characters. He plays his great grandfather and, he, and great grandson at the same time. And the great grandson is like this kid living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. He's an app developer and he's working on this app that he came up with that is that very thing where you hold your phone up, the camera on your phone and you hold it up to a product and then it runs it through some calculus and database and comes up with a score and gives you its environmental footprint and impact and ingredients and toxins and all of that. And I was like, we should have that. That should be a thing that exists in the world. Absolutely. You know? Let's do it. Maybe there's some version of that out there. If somebody yeah. knows, let me know, because I would like it. to know. Let's do and it. And maybe you should build that, Darren. Maybe we should build it. Maybe Rich. you should call Seth Rogen, see how he did it. Okay, call <laughs> Seth Rogen. I know I can get to him. You can, okay. Um, good man, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so proud of you. Your success is so overdue and well earned. I mean, what what year did Superlife come out? Like four or five years ago? Yeah, the end of fifteen. Have there been how many other books came out and then made the New York Times bestseller list like five years later? I don't know. <laughs> I mean. You know, that's the funny it's thing. It's so cool. Cause th and thank you. And, yeah. and, and you know, I think you remember, I chose to just take an organic route mm -hmm. with the book, just like, yeah. just let it out. And 
let it have its own. I didn't want to, you know, there's a weird It world. happened because yeah. it was supposed to happen, not because you forced it. Yeah. You know, the and there's a beautiful lesson in that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thank you and this full circle of the show kind of being birthed by our conversation here because of Zach heard something that you allowed me to share from and the space that you provide. I see the your opening and your ability to constantly have incredible conversations with people. And I'm proud of you because I know also that you've stretched yourself to have the success and had vulnerability in order to expand to this level. I remember those conversations and I'm equally proud of you. Yeah, thanks brother. Um, it's been a journey. Yeah. Proud to take it and blaze it with you. Yeah, man. So you're welcome here anytime. Proud to be your friend and keep rocking it, man. I plan on it. So if you wanna connect with Darren, at Darren Olean on his Instagram, it's blowing up like crazy. Uh, the book is Super Life, Barucas, barucas.com, some kind of promo code maybe, I'll let you guys know. And uh, what else, man? The 121 Tribe app, yep. which is one pretty two, cool. 121tribe.com, mm -hmm. yep, people can go there. There's three free days. You can get some movement, plants, some breathing stuff, and you can check it out. You can buy it if you want, but right. it's, three, it's free. Uh, and down to earth on Netflix. Down to work. And down to work. I, I was gonna ask you, what do you have coming up? But that's like another three hour podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so just an excuse to have you come back. 100%. All right. Peace, brother. Love you. Peace. Love you too. Lance. Yeah. Killer human, that Darren Olean. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I just love that guy. Be sure to give him a follow on the socials. He's at underscore Darren Olean on Instagram where he's exploding. He's also at Darren Olean on Twitter, but Instagram is really his jam. Check out his book, Super Life, his podcast, The Darren Olean Show, 121tribe.com and visit barucas.com slash richroll to receive 15% off one of the tastiest superfoods and also the most nutritious I've ever tried in my life. And as always, visit the show notes on the episode page at richroll.com to dive deeper into Darren's world and all the amazing subjects we discussed today. If you'd like to support the work we do here on the show, subscribe, rate, and comment on the program. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that little bell, that notification bell on YouTube so you can be alerted when one of our many videos every week pops up. And also subscribe on Spotify. You can share the show or your favorite episodes with friends or on social media. I love that. And you can support us on Patreon at richroll.com forward slash donate. I wanna thank everybody who helped put on today's show. Jason Camiello for audio engineering, production show notes and interstitial music. Blake Curtis for videoing today's show and creating all the video clips we share on social media. Jessica Miranda for graphics. Davey Greenberg for his amazing portraits. DK for advertiser relationships and theme music by Tyler, Trapper, and Hari, my boys. Thanks for the love, you guys. See you back here in how long? A couple days, I think. Well, we have another roll-on scheduled, but Adam Skolnick's wife is about to go into labor at any minute. So we'll see what happens if he's having a baby. Uh, there might not be a podcast and we'll have to figure out what to do. In any event, hopefully we will be on schedule and on time. If not, we'll figure out something else to do. Until then, treat yourselves right. 
get outside, nourish yourselves, love one another, expand, be empathetic, share what you've learned along the way, and be grateful. Peace, plants, namaste. Thank you.